0: Hey friends, so I think a lot of times homesteaders in general, like 30 acres or less, think that there's no way you can have a cow on your property. And we were victims of that for a long time too. And people have more and more been messaging me
1: wait, hold saying,
0: on. how do you do that?
1: Well, I'm here to keep you honest. Yeah. And I always said we should have cow. Right. So people yep. don't always say that. <laughs> Some people don't. Some people don't. <laughs>
0: so that's what this episode is going to be about. We'll dive into it and talk about what works how to do it and the experience that we're having so far with it
1: hey friends
0: welcome to the schoolhouse life where we answer your pressing questions and share useful tools for creating your most fulfilling self-sufficient family homestead
1: we go back to basics and all things family faith, and farming, and we're eager to teach you what we've learned, everything from growing a garden to earning an income, to living a less toxic and more nature-based lifestyle.
0: We're thrilled you're here and hope you leave inspired to live your life as a schoolhouse too. All right, so our acreage that we have, we have 15 acres total.
1: Right? Now, yeah, now
0: start with 10. We have about six acres that we graze, mm-hmm. and we have three cows. Mm-hmm. So I want to say, like, the first thing I think is that you have to have the right kind of cattle. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I always picture, like, I don't know. You, I know you said Dexter, but I didn't realize how big or small a Dexter was. So a Dexter is a great cow. A mini Jersey is another cow. Mm-hmm. Honeywoods are pretty big. So yeah,
1: I don't yeah. know. I mean, I think it depends on how what your comfort level is, because honestly, entry cow level I think that Dexter's are the perfect option. Dexter's are something similarly sized because yeah. it's just more manageable. It's less intimidating. You can build confidence and then move on from there. Yeah. I mean, even we have a, you know, the Swiss lineback dairy cow and she's a good bit bigger. She's not really intimidating though. I no. don't know. Her demeanor is just so friendly. So when could she just runs pick,
0: to you, she's a little bit. Yeah, that's true.
1: You know, if you bought the right kind of cow, like go get a bull and get the, find the right, really shop around for the right demeanor, then it. Might be okay to start that way too. Yeah, and a cow, I mean, cow milk is what most people, I think, are really interested on the homestead to have that fresh milk and.
0: Yeah, and I will say, like, I guess we should start there. Is there's kind of two routes: is you can have a beef cow or a dairy mm-hmm. cow, or you can have a mix of the two, a dual, a dual, purpose. A dual purpose. But the reality is, when you have a milk cow, your grass is it's going to be different. Like you're, you can't compromise the cow's health. As much as when you have a beef cow.
1: Well, your milk will suffer dramatically. Right. Because yeah. production I mean, level. Yeah. Just depending on how much sugars and proteins and all of that are in the food that they're eating, it will totally alter the supply. So right. if you're willing to just deal with that, then honestly you could get to the place where it's better faster. Right. Than if you waited until your property was just perfect because they are a key element to improving. Well, the, yeah. So it's kind of, if you you can't really skip the step of right. livestock unless you're willing to just wait. And, and then I think,
0: wait. so that gets us into kind of the nerdy subject. One of my favorite subjects ever is grass and grazing. <laughs> <laughs> and what happens if you have a dairy cow? So a lot of homesteads that we see, if they do have a cow, they're letting the cow graze like... 10 acres or five acres, or one acre. cow
1: on one open pasture, one open, yeah.
0: which we call continuous grazing. And that basically means that that cow is really never going to quite have enough grass
1: or fix the grass, right? Or really be able to thrive in just the grass, they'll need supplementation, right? Hay or something maybe else even like daily. That.
0: Yeah, so when we get into those terms, there's overgrazed, which means. The cow eats the grass and then comes back to the grass and bites it again as soon as that grass has started to regrow.
1: Grown any amount, yeah. Yeah.
0: And do you know what that does? Kills the roots. Kills the roots. So that grass can never actually establish itself. So most grass in an overgrazed situation, when you pull the grass up, the roots are going to be like an inch or two long.
1: And ideally, the goal with grass is to get those roots even deeper. Because the deeper the roots, the healthier the soil the better the grass it will grow. Yeah.
0: So the <laughs> roots feed the nematodes and the mm. other soil things that then feed other soil things to keep it simple and scientific. <laughs> and there's this whole thing. I mean, the, the grass is kind of farming with its roots. It's farming yeah. the soil organisms.
1: And the deeper it can go, the more penetrating into mineralized deposits that are not being accessed Right. when the roots are not so deep.
0: And then the major thing is also then the grass can hold with its roots can hold a massive amount of water. A massive amount of water so, and
1: carbon. And, our, yeah. I mean there's like all of these. It's just a circle that we've broken that we're just starting yeah. to wrap well, our heads around. And
0: I think we're seeing it like you know um below us like South Carolina down through Georgia. They haven't had rain like since the beginning of summer. Mm. And if they would have had a different setup in a different kind of pasture, then they could still be supporting livestock. Mm. But in the same out in Texas is they have no roots in most of those pastures. And as a result, they're like selling off livestock like crazy Mm. or coming up here and buying hay bales for $80 a bale. And
1: I think just to kind of put it into perspective, I don't know that everybody is aware of how different our terrain looks now than it ever has before, especially maybe in the last hundred years or so it's looked about the same, but. You know, when we first started colonizing the United States, the grasses were so tall. Yeah. I mean, they were taller than your head.
0: Well, it's like what I say, the Lewis and Clark, yeah. like journal entry of they could wrap a grass blade around right. their waist while sitting on the back of a horse. It, I mean, can
1: you imagine? I just it's yeah. hard to even fathom what that would look like, feeling like stand, like it'd be like standing in a cornfield. I
0: know. Yeah, that's great. It's like, you know, when we had the sorghum growing out in the yeah. pasture, it was all at least that tall. Mm. and that that's crazy that is crazy but like the the reality is there's no way the grass that we have in our soil now has evolved to be as short as it is in the amount of time since lewis and clark you know so that
1: grass so we're just not giving it the opportunity and the right circumstances all the grass that's in
0: our pastures has the potential to be that massive it's just we just well i I mean you think about
1: it too we t- everything in farming is how quick can we get a return, right? Like right. the faster, the better, the faster, the better. And that's generally true of everything, you know, don't get me on a rant about it, but the truth is how much more nutritious is something that's taken longer. It's like talking to an elderly person about in the depth and richness about what they have to offer or share wisdom wise, you know, is so much different and we don't appreciate that. It took them all of that time to get there and, Plants are the same, but we are just constantly whacking it, whacking it, whacking it, whacking it so that we can't ever get to that place. Yeah. So I don't know. And it's just it's really a, interesting.
0: The interesting thing about that, though, is that the, the grass does have the potential to also recover very quickly. Mm, right. Like, if you think it about could be the
1: fastest turnaround. Yeah.
0: Like if you think about the grass down by our pond that has like perfect water, more soil fertility because we've been working on it more down there mm-hmm. and the sun reflection off the pond. Generally, we have like a one to two week recovery right. and that grass is ready to be grazed again right. where like up here in the old tobacco field it's like 90 to 120 days of recovery if we're lucky
1: which it's been really fascinating so we had we had the other property with the 10 acres and it, most of it's wooded so it's not really great passionately really. and we've worked really hard and gotten some really great areas but it's been a challenge and we didn't have heavy hooded, hoofed animals we just had goats and sheep so right. i think the the cows and the amount of time that we've had them which is going on a year have had more impact than anything else, in the past yeah. nine
0: years of, but it know,
1: also yeah. comes down to management, which I'm sure you're going to talk about. But one of my favorite things is looking at the the GIS of the, the newer property that we own, that's five acres with a schoolhouse on it. Yeah. And you can see that it's just like been freshly tilled and it's that, that I call it Carolina clay. Carolina clay. Yeah. yeah, there's no fertility in that soil at all. Yeah. And what's been growing out there has been, you know, thistles and broom sedge and things that we're not real thrilled about. But in the last year, the change that's happened and also the water retention, it used to just all flood right off and down and out. And now it's just incredibly different. And it's only been really a year fully using the system. I mean, we used it with the sheep too, but I just don't think their impact was as powerful.
0: No, and we kept doing the math on it. Like the problem with the sheep is we couldn't ever get a tight enough stock density. Mm -hmm. So stock density is the amount of animals per acre. So if we had
1: upped our, our sheep. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a, it's a, a hairy balance at first, but once you sort of get the hang of it, it starts to.
0: Well, and with sheep, the challenge is that they don't stay in fences as well. Mm. And especially when you start corralling them, like we needed like three times the amount of sheep. Mm-hmm. So like give an example, a a cow, like the Swiss lineback cow, roughly it equals roughly three to five sheep. Right. So, you know, mm. we're, those three cows are kind of the equivalent of 15 to 20 sheep mm-hmm. and we never really had I think 15 at, was about our max. Yeah, 15 is probably our max, but mm-hmm. keeping 15 sheep alive and somebody not dying all the time from all kinds of various reasons is mm-hmm. really challenging to do. Right. Where the cows are like literally our management, like to move them to a new paddock takes maybe 15 minutes.
1: Yeah. Which Well, that's yeah. the other appeal of the cows. Yeah. Is they're they're just so slow. I mean, right. and just their energy is slow. So just being around them, you it's just a totally different feeling than the skittish nature of a sheep.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: I mean, there's so much less anxiety on our homestead because the cows are never going to run away from you into the neighbor's property unless there's something that really spooks (laughs) them. Yeah. I mean, that's just not their disposition. So it's, it's interesting and makes it feel so much more like, Oh, we know what we're doing and, you know, sheep are just a little unpredictable and yeah. Even 10 years in, yeah. weren't doing what we wanted them to do. And
0: I think like, bringing it back to, I guess, the pasture management element of it is that if you're looking out of your pasture and you are somebody that has just been kind of continuous grazing, this time of year, like going into the fall, which is where we are now, the grass has stopped growing for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like you, you notice all your grasses are kind of turning brown and not really coming back quickly. So you're looking at like, are you gonna start feeding hay a ton? Mm-hmm. Or are you gonna de-stock and sell your livestock? You know, like what are you gonna do there?
1: To get through the winter. To
0: get through the winter. Mm-hmm. And there's a, another term called stockpiling, which just means letting, if you plan correctly, you can let a bunch of grass grow up prior to when the grass stops growing. And that's <laughs> that's been a challenging point between Lacey and I, because I have stockpiled a lot of grass all around our house, which I mean, how tall would My goal you say? Is one that,
1: day to not need to graze.
0: How tall would you say that grass is now? It's like needy, most yeah.
1: of it, yeah, <laughs> at least. And it's beautiful if that's what you want to grow, right? But it's frustrating because lost a lot of garden beds to that grass. And I mean, you know, in the end, the cows will come through there; it'll all be cleaned up real nice. But waiting for the cows to come home <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> can they're, be frustrating.
0: They're on their way. So, the, what you can do to start planning to move into more of, I guess, a holistic management of your grass and of your pasture is to start cinching your cows down.
1: Oh, so let's take a step back because I feel if there's people listening that have 10 acres or less, maybe even five to seven acres, what, I mean, it's not impossible for them to have cows. No. No. And I, what would be some good parameters around whether or not cows are a good?
0: So I think in the perfect situation, like if you have like Ideal pasture, mm-hmm. the best pasture possible, like three Dexters per acre is mm-hmm. is a reality. Yeah. But that's not where you should start. Like, no, because
1: nobody's going in with perfect pastures. Right.
0: Unless they've just bought well, beautiful generally, pastures. Yeah, generally, yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: now when I go shopping for land, it's right. going to be beautiful, perfect pastures. Be, yeah, perfect <laughs>
0: pasture. So starting small, I guess, mm-hmm. it would be the start, first start, like maybe a cow for every two acres. Mm-hmm. And, and see what you can get with that and then as you manage properly your grass will get better and then you can increase the amount of livestock to mm-hmm. meet the need of the grass
1: yeah i just i think it's really encouraging because i think we've got you know a lot of listeners who aren't big farms and right. it can be really frustrating to wanna participate in this like movement of regenerative farming and cows yeah. are a huge piece of that i think and you look at People who are doing it on a large scale and, and it's, uh, well, that doesn't even apply to me or I can't take that and bring it to my homestead. But I am firmly believe that those of us with these smaller parcels of land, well, yeah, we don't own hundreds of acres. There are thousands more of us. Right. And if we yeah. each had a cow or two. The impact would be massive.
0: Yeah. I had a lady tell me that homesteaders can never grow enough food for themselves was her statement. And I, it took me back so much that I just let it go. And she was like, you know, cow, a homesteader can never have enough cows on the land. I had some lady tell me that homesteaders could never grow enough food on their home that, and they definitely couldn't have enough cows on their homestead. And I think that that's a very common thinking. And, but I think that it's, just due to poor management and poor education. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and Well, even our gardens underperform because we're not doing it the right way. Right. Know? Like we're not yeah. doing it with the idea of, you know, whether it's heavy mulching or not yeah. tilling or whatever. We're taking all the nutrition and, it, and farming in traditional ways on our small homesteads where we could be creating this massive abundance that replenishes year after year after year. Yeah, Which we've seen. I mean, there's plenty of permaculture homes. Well, out yeah, there. You can, and
0: even like Nick.
1: Mm-hmm. Hey,
0: Nick. Um, yeah, he has, I saw him post that he has a. He's gardening an eighth of an acre is, yeah. and he's producing like a massive a ton, amount of food. A ton of
1: food, yeah. Like, healthy, really yeah. well, like beautiful, beautiful. Right. Food. Yeah. So
0: I mean, the potential is there. It mm-hmm. just has to be thought about differently, and it's the same with cows.
1: Well, and it also comes back to community because, right? I do agree with no homesteader will ever survive alone, and right. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. not feasible for somebody to. Thrive in that situation. Right. They might make it a couple of months, maybe even a year, but ultimately it will be the demise of them because you can't do it all. You just really For sure.
0: can't. Yeah. But I, I think that every homesteader could have a cow or two on their homestead. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could even be, be where you reason.
1: like. And communally share a cow because no one needs a whole cow at any given moment either, right? right. Yeah, you know when it's time to butcher, yeah. you're up a creek, especially if you have no electricity. Yeah, I mean you can so. even
0: share cows across, like grazing them, like yeah, yeah like, that's graze way, yeah. one, pass it down the graze route. one homestead, load it up on a trailer, take it yeah. to the next one, and graze yeah. that one, and come back. So yeah. the the idea though with the grazing is that you just have to focus on the recovery. So how long does the grass? need to regrow before you graze it again Mm -hmm. and when you start thinking about it that way rather than you know is the cow hungry because you know it's funny alan Savory. well
1: yeah you have to think of the cow as a tool to recover your pasture instead of the pasture as the thing that feeds the cow
0: yeah and alan Savory was saying like really smart cows train ranchers on when they need to move because you know like when we go out to In front of our cows, Mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll start yelling at us. Mm -hmm. And some ranchers will hear that and say, oh, they must be hungry. Let me move them. Where Mm -hmm. you need to look at the grass and see. No, you haven't finished your yet. Have they eaten enough yet? (laughs) And then, you know, if I move them today and I move them one day through all their paddocks then potentially your grass has 30 less days of recovery you know mm-hmm. depending on how many paddocks you have
1: not to mention the fertilization from right. the urine and the and the poop and yeah. I mean the the stomping of the feet has a massive impact on yeah. how these plants grow I mean there's just a lot is it's a lot it's a really beautiful cycle when you start to appreciate it and I think what we've lost sight as of As agriculturalists in general, and I say this societally speaking, is we forgot to appreciate the systems that are happening without our effort. Yeah. And we can better take advantage of that. And and many cultures have for a really long time. And now, you know. It's kind of like
0: like they say, like mimicking the buffaloes. Yeah. You know, like looking at it that way. I was going to say like a good benchmark when you start doing a regenerative system. Is looking at when the cows are in a paddock is every te- every step you should take every step you take there should be a manure patty at it and when you
1: so sit- that input like you want to see that before you move them
0: you want to see that before ideally. you move them but you also like out of the shoe mm-hmm. that doesn't happen because there's our- not enough forage. There's not enough forage, so our paddock sizes are larger. Mm -hmm. But here at the schoolhouse, when we moved them across that pasture, Mm -hmm. that was the case every time. So gauging your paddock sizes can be, that's a way to gauge them. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at that and then looking at the overall health of the cow making sure it's not starving. So Mm -hmm. you kind of have to do both. Mm -hmm. And we could do it out of the shoe, but we would have to move them like three times a day to get that and nobody's driving out there three times a day right. to move them. So. Well, and
1: that's the thing about a small homestead is that it, it becomes more manageable to keep a, cl- a close eye on things like right. that, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're home and you know, you have just, just two acres that you're working your cattle on, then it's so much easier to walk out there move a fence line and you're done. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I, I want to say like, there's a, a caution to rotational grazing, which rotational grazing people generally think like I have to move my cows every day in the same paddock size and they just go out and they move the cows, move the cows, move the mm-hmm. cows. And they don't pay attention to the how the grass is recovering or how, the health of the cows or you know how much manure is being laid out. Mm-hmm. So don't fall victim to just moving the cows to move the cows, but be aware of why you're moving the cows and what action do you want the cows to take when you do move the cows.
1: Yeah, what signs are you looking for? Right. It's really just learning to see those things. Yeah. Well, I think it's all fascinating. It's been a learning experience. <laughs> and to be fair, Drew has been going through training and is done with that now, has been for some time and now putting it into practice. So it's not like it didn't just all come even through experience but through actual education. Yeah, lots so, of
0: education. But it, it's um, just so eye opening when you Yeah start understanding the systems like we said and how they work, I think our point for the podcast is really just like you can do it. It's just think outside of the traditional box. I
1: wish I'd had this podcast to have you listen to it yeah six, seven years ago,
0: right, yeah, <laughs> me too. I love it when you give me podcasts to listen to yeah <laughs> all right, so if this is something that you need help with and you want us to come out to your pasture and show you how to do it, or you know give you some ideas, um that's what we love doing. And we can do that online. We can do that in person if you're local. Go to the schoolhouselife.com Check out the Homestead Holistic Homestead Audit and get signed up for it. And we'll talk with you more about how to make it all happen.